Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of BroPod. I am, as always, joined by my uh, my good friend Kieran McKenna on a lovely Glasgow day. How are you? Doing well. I think it's officially coming into springtime, so that will hopefully make the, the lockdown a lot better. Mm-hmm. Make our walks a lot better. Oh, lovely walks. Training a lot better. Yeah, your your trainings by yourself. Home you mean? training, yeah. <laughs> My street runs. Yeah, update us, Kieran. You haven't. Uh, the season has been out of uh, place, so to speak, for how long? Yeah, it's six, seven weeks now. I think it was the start of January that happened. So we were kind of expecting to be back by now, training at least uh, together as a team. But it looks like I think there's another review next Monday. So a week today as we're recording this. Um, we might hear word in a few days. They might bring that review earlier. So just hoping that we can go back to training in the next week or two. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed we can get back playing games and finish out the season. Well, Boris has promised the sunshine and rainbows at the end of it. And he mm-hmm. had an announcement today with things opening up. So um, better believe him. Yeah. You know? Funny, they say it's a UK announcement, but it's really just an announcement for England since the other three countries just do what they want. Here we go. Kieran will start a spiel about independence again, but we'll, we'll, we'll actually, we'll save that for another episode yeah. where you can get, uh, you can express that part of you. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it a little preemptive warning, warning as well. Um, listen, we have an, we have an, we have our guest who is an agent mm-hmm. and a former footballer, Mikkel Beck. Uh, Dan- former Danish international, played uh, two European championships, one of them in 96 European championship in England, um, has played in four different countries, Germany, England, France, and Denmark, and as I said, is a former agent um, with clients in nine different countries, I believe, and uh, some clients include Lucas Digne from mm-hmm. Everton, one of probably the best baller. yeah, left-backs in the Prem, Simon Kerr. The uh, the Danish centre back who's at AC Milan, um, and Matty Ryan at uh, at my club, Arsenal, and so um, there were a lot of questions asked. We got around half an hour with yeah. with with Mikkel um, to discuss the agency business. Uh, Kira and I, you know, have always been curious about it. your your father is in the business as well. Mm-hmm. But we read an article in The Athletic upon the agency business and we, we wanted some insight into mm-hmm. into how it works. And, uh, you know, because a great, great guy and mm-hmm. by the sound of it also build up uh, a very a very strong and sustainable business model which mm-hmm. allows him to, uh, to be the best possible agent for his clients too. Yeah, exactly. I think what we touched on in the episode was the different types of agents you get in, you get coming from all different backgrounds and it was good to talk to Miguel because he's obviously been a former player, a very good career that you just touched on and I think that's influenced a lot in the type of agent that he uh, wants to be in terms of he described how he wants to be a player's agent rather than a club's agent. Um, well, You could argue there's maybe more money in being a club's agent and working directly with, with the clubs and their owners and manipulating deals there but Mikel wanted to be a players agent where he's recruiting players from where they're 18, 19 and he, he goes he starts that journey with them and he helps navigate their career and from my perspective that certainly sounds a lot more enjoyable and uh, a lot more sustainable um, as well and he also touched on the different how many different roles agents have to fulfil in terms of you're not just there to negotiate a contract or at least he doesn't want to just be there to negotiate a contract but rather 
he wants to be there for when they're having family issues for when, for after after their career in terms of directing them to the towards the right people where they can invest some money for and put them in touch with lawyers throughout their career. And he's built this business where he's he's got good people around him and he's not just there to sign the dotted line. And I think it's very respectable and uh, it's the type of agents that you want to speak to and you want to be in the game. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing that in terms of fighting against that reputation and stigma that the agency business might have and mm-hmm. how that played a part into it. And also the regulation, the proposed regulation of mm-hmm. the industry, which has gotten a lot of um, a resistance from uh, the, from prominent agents mm-hmm. um, about putting caps on commissions of the transfer fee and the players' fee, um, which is which is which is interesting. And you, you know, you've had exposure with 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 your father being uh, being in the business too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your what were your thoughts on that? I think that from first-hand experience with my dad, I see the amount of work that goes on in the background. And similar to Mikel, he's a player's agent and not on the same level as Mikel because he has other, other um, responsibilities as well and he, he works with mainly Scottish, uh, young Scottish players um, and he's only been in the business a, a handful of years. But you see how much work goes on in the background, especially when you're with young players because they're so young and inexperienced and they need a lot of guidance a lot of emotional support when they sign a first big contract they need a lot of financial guidance um and so a lot of work does go into that and a lot of time goes into that and so to then i can understand the frustrations from those type of agents like my dad like miguel where they're frustrated that there's going to be caps on the commission they're making because like what miguel said he's paid based on the players contract that he negotiates and it ranges from 5 to 10%. And it's ultimately the better contract he can get his player determines how much money he makes. And so if he's getting his player a better contract, he deserves to get paid for that. And then it comes at then the question where you can maybe, uh, the commissions are correct and appropriate is where the transfer fees, because you don't, you've got Mikel and my dad to our agents that get played based on the player's contract. And then you've got agents that get paid from the club's Based on the transfer fees, you'll have two or three agents that get paid for making a few phone calls and putting people in touch. And they're not really, they're not there for the player, and they just mingle their way in to, to get a payday. And so I think that's where there's an, an argument for regulation in terms of the commission on transfer fees and the and the bonuses that kind of fall outside the player's actual contract. Mm-hmm. Little shout out there to uh, to three sixty sports to sports yes to Adrian and Des. Plug. They'll say long due, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe you'll go into it uh, at some point uh, yeah. in your life. Take over the take over the family business. Yeah. Um, but we'll just leave you to it um, for our chat with uh, Mikko Beck shortly after the break. This podcast is as always sponsored by Pimp Society and upcycled clothing brand that can customize clothing to whatever preference you like. Kieran has a bunch of those items. I have a bunch of those items. It affords you a look that is unique and different from any other. So go check them out on Instagram at Pimp Society, Facebook Pimp Society, and on their website, pimpsociety.no, and put in your order. Now to our chat with Mikkel Beck. 
Mikkel, thank you so much for joining on joining us on this uh, on this lovely day in both Glasgow and Monaco. Uh, I told you before we started chatting that the last time I proper saw you was when I was three year old and you were celebrating Christmas with the family. So it's nice to finally uh, be you reunited in sorts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't hope it'll take as long time before we see each other again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we. I remember that Christmas. It was uh, it was always uh, it was always good to 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 meet your family and your parents. Uh, that uh, I I always had a good time there for sure. Yeah. So, um, and the good thing is I still keep uh, in in real good contact with your father today. So, so um, yeah. I love that. We need to keep the keep the connection going. Um, we'll sure. get right to the chase. You are yeah. an agent, a former footballer, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously the, the the first natural question would then be to ask: With the pandemic, clubs losing money, uh, being proposed wage cuts, payment deferrals, etc. How has work been for you uh, during this time? I mean, um, work has been more or less normal for me. Uh, I had a good summer uh, last summer, and then this this January window was a bit uh, quiet. But uh, I'm not really a big fan of January windows. Uh, so, so if I if I move players in January, it really has to be the right move uh, because I, I've I've seen some bad moves. You know, in January, people coming in, they have to play straight away. They have not even had the time to work with the with the team yet, and then they start off really badly, and quickly they are they are known as a bad buy or whatever, you know? So um, I, I, I'm really not a big believer in January moves. So, uh, so I, I didn't really look for so much in, in January. And uh, I think the big, the big market where we will really, really tell what's going on is, is the coming summer market because uh, by then um, most clubs have been in, in big trouble for, for more than a year. And uh, I, I I think we will see uh, much less spending in the summer, yeah? uh, and uh, that's also, of course, going to make life for 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 agents like me much more difficult. Yeah, but uh, so far it's it's not changed a lot. But um, I, I think we need to see in the summer what will happen. Yeah, I I, I fear it will be very very uh, um, well a very quiet market. Yeah, I feel I fear that. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the um, to the agency business very shortly. We just wanted to ask you a couple of questions on your player career because you've had a, a, a very good career. And I was wondering, you've been played in four different countries. You've been to two. You've been to an FA Cup final, a League Cup final, been a Danish Cup final. You've played two European championships. Is there any moment or achievement for you that stands out? Uh, I, I think I think I will say the, the probably the same ones that everyone would say. Uh, you know, the first uh, when you sign your first contract is always a special uh, moment. When you play for your country for the first time, it's always a special moment. Um, of course, I could single out some 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 games I remember being special. Uh, certainly, some some of the games for for Middlesbrough, I, I, I remember uh, a quarterfinal against Newcastle where which we won three one. Uh, which was a special moment, and of course, also playing in Wem- at Wembley and the old Wembley with the two twin towers, uh, which for me was was the real Wembley. Uh, uh, they, those cup finals were were very very special as well. Yeah, for sure. 
You also you played most of your football in England, but you also spent time playing in France, Germany, in your home country, Denmark. Where would you say that you enjoyed your football the most? I, I think I enjoyed it the most in England um, because uh, playing in the Premier League, especially also playing in the kind of in that kind of team I was playing in at that time at Middlesbrough, it, it was it was very in- enjoyable and very interesting. Um, I I learned a lot. Uh, playing in Germany. I was only 19 when I went to, to Cologne and I was playing in the second division, which was still a division where where uh, the, the, the central defenders were playing uh, what they call in Germany Mandekung. So, you know, you, you were really playing, you know, one against one uh, all, all the time. And it, it, it did, um, it did uh, make me progress a lot because when you're, when you're a striker and you have someone following you all the time you you have to be very good at you know your first touch has to be good you have to be good at you know keeping the ball shielding the ball playing with the back to the goal so i think those 3 years in germany i probably learned the most uh, and i probably enjoyed the most uh, my my 3 4 seasons at middlesbrough um, but you know you, you you i learned also something from playing in france you know it was a different kind of football not so enjoyable you know you're you're more left alone up front you play you know, you play more result football in France, where if you go, you know, if you play away from home, you 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 go not to lose, and then maybe the last ten minutes you you open up a little bit and you try and go for the victory, where whereas at home you try to actually uh, win the game. So it was more tactical uh, in France than in England. Uh, but yeah, I I think I learned something from all from playing in in all three countries, but probably the most in in, in Germany. Uh, uh, you know, at my first club, mm-hmm. a tough place to go when you're young as well with the German. Yeah, the German very, very tough, very tough. It's the you've obviously played and with and against a lot of great teams and players. Who would you say are the best players you've played with and then against? Um, I think the best players I played with is probably uh, the two Laudrup brothers. I played with them in the national team. They're probably. Probably the best uh, I ever played uh, with uh, alongside. I would probably single out Juninho also. I I only played with him one season, but uh, but I must say he was uh, he was something special. Uh, especially that season was probably one of the best he ever had. So um, so uh, it was it was very enjoyable playing with him there. So I would say the Laudrup brothers and 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 Juninho. Uh, I played with some other very famous players, but um, I. I don't think they, 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 I don't think they left this kind of uh, memory like those three other players did. And uh, the, the, the most difficult or the best players I played against, I'll probably, I'll probably have to say just Desailly. Uh, I played against him for, for Denmark when we, when we played France in, in um, the European Championships in, in, in uh, Belgium, Holland. And then I also played many games against him for Middlesbrough when he played for, for Chelsea. Uh, I thought he was just a, he was just a, the the complete player, uh, um, and uh, and probably also Sidan uh, because Sidan uh, was playing in that game we played against him for Denmark, and and I had the the joy to watch him, uh, you know, uh, in front of me and see how good because he was really that good at that moment. It was in two thousand. That was probably also where he was the best, and. Uh, he was he was amazing, yeah. But I, it, it's hard to single out players. But if I had to single out any, I would probably single out those ones. Mm-hmm. But um, I 
I could have mentioned many more. Yeah, of course. It's funny because when I asked my dad the question, and he's also said Desai, and I said why? Yeah. And he says well, he just he's just so strong as well. Must, like, like he was like, quick. He was quick. He was strong. He was athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was aggressive. Uh, <laughs> he he was he was good in the air. He was good on on the ball. Uh, I mean. It was it was it was tough tough games uh, when you played against him. It was super difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Especially for especially for my dad, the way he played with the with the sh- you know getting a hold of your man, and for me as a center yeah. back for Kira myself too, in terms of yeah. not getting too eager, in terms of getting backing up and getting yeah. too tight in a player as well, uh, which is yeah, takes yeah, a exactly. special kind of cool as well. So well, your dad was good at that. He had that fat ass. He would just roll. <laughs> he, 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 he just rolled the defenders. Yeah? Exactly. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to get those lessons from him. Huh? <laughs> Mikhail, you uh, you struggled a lot with injury uh, during the end of your twenties, which kind of made you retire when you were thirty. What mm-hmm. ultimately helped you make this decision, and how did you deal with that process of moving on? Well, I I didn't actually struggle with injuries. It was only towards the end of my career I I, I got my first injury, and and unfortunately that injury actually cost me my career. Uh, so. You know, I had been very fortunate up, up until then, um, not really having any any problems. But uh, but uh, because of a mistake in uh, in, a, in a clinic in, in France, uh, I, I caught this bacterial um, mm. in my ankle, and uh, and it um, unfortunately it made me uh, have to stop my career. So basically, I I trained in the morning, and and the next day I couldn't play anymore. So it was uh, it was not easy. But um, I, I I don't know. Um, what 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 you do to to get on with with life afterwards? Of course, uh, you you spend many years being uh, being very um, very frustrated and 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 uh, and also very angry at at uh, at, at certain people uh, because I I would have liked to to finish my career when I was thirty five thirty six probably and and to finish it when I was only twenty nine thirty was was far too early um, and I probably also would have liked to finish it uh, when I decided it not uh, because of someone's mistake. Um, but um, you know, I, I suppose uh, you know life goes on, and um, and it took me some time uh, to to accept it. But um, from the moment I accepted it, uh, I had to to find something else to do because I mean, you cannot just uh, you cannot just uh, you know live your life being 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 bitter at people. Yeah. So um, so I I. I I, I could have I could have done many things. I could have become a coach. I could become could have become a sports director. Uh, um, maybe working for television, uh, working for my sponsor at that time, Nike. Uh, but yeah, in the end, I, I chose uh, to become an agent. Uh, I wasn't really sure it was the right choice at the beginning, but I, I said to myself, let, you know, I would have a go at it and and see uh, if I liked it or not. And uh, and basically, here I am, like. Uh, Nearly 20 years later, um, still still doing it, and and I, I I still like it a lot. So I think it's a it's the right job for me. No, but you, and you're doing very well as your as your clients and and where they are uh, go to prove. And you started in in 2003. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you retiring around that same time as well. In- uh, I retired. I retired in 2002, but my contract uh, were finished in 2003 uh, with my French club. So. So from 2003, I, I started uh, working as an agent. So um, it's a so, pretty quick, yeah. quick turnover, uh, you know, in terms of yeah. in terms of defining what you want to do as well. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't exactly just the day after, you know. Like I, no, no. I, 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 I think I, 
I knew in 2003 I wanted to become an agent. Then I had to take the license. Uh, and I don't think I really started uh, working as an agent before start of 2004. Mm. So. Okay. Is it, the, is it the toughest time for an agent to get started, would you say? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, it's it's a tough job, and uh, and and I think I had a head start because I was a former player, and, uh, and of course I had a lot of uh, friends in the in the business. But but I, I I also had to prove myself, you know, like because this was a new thing. It was not playing football anymore. It was actually working for footballers. And I think uh, I think um, <clears throat> when I started working as an agent, I I also felt that it wasn't really a it wasn't really a profession that uh, people talked very good about. Uh, like, so, you, you, you know, from the beginning, you were up against those, let's say, people that, you know, uh, thought all agents were the same and uh, agents were only in it for, you know, for, for their own uh, sake. And they were just uh, there to make money for themselves. They didn't really care about the players. Um, so I, I had to start up working against all, 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 all those things um, and, and try to, 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 to prove to people that uh, maybe that that was how they saw the business but but uh, you know I was uh, I was intending to do it in a different way and uh, hopefully also do it in a way which was going to be good for the players mm -hmm. <clears throat> so so it, it was it was it was tough uh, from the beginning but uh, like I said I had a head start so I I got off to a really good start got some players quickly um, you know worked really hard uh, you know, got got some some transfers done, and I think I think it's probably what has um, it's probably what has made me uh, uh, do it for so many years. That uh, I, I started, you know, very well quickly, and and yeah, and and it just went from there. And then I got better and better players. I um, but I took the players very young. I I I I felt the the right way for me to do it was to take players 15, 16 years old. Uh, you know, get to know their parents. Uh, work build something up together with them and their own families and and hopefully uh, build something really good up so you know over the years we would we would grow really strong together you know uh, me and the families and the players and that's basically what i've done and uh, and it's worked really well for me is there is there a certain type you look for in a player as in a certain type of player or a certain type of person that kind of is constant amongst all your all your clients <clears throat> I think um, I think I, I always look for for hungry players. I always look for very ambitious players because I, I was very ambitious myself and still am. So uh, I knew that I would never be able to work with a player who would just be okay with average. Uh, then we we just wouldn't be on the same page. <clears throat> so uh, I, I was really looking for players who would ask a lot from me, but also ask a lot from themselves, because I was pretty sure that would always be a, a win win in the end. So um, definitely hungry players, ambitious players, and also players that were that were li listening to me because I, I I wanted to build something up with them and I wanted to give my uh, experience onto them. So uh, I I do speak a lot with my players. I, I give them a lot of a uh, lot of advice and uh, and I have felt over the years that uh, those players, luckily uh, there hasn't been that many, but there's been some players that didn't really buy into uh, my ideas uh, so then it was also very hard for me to uh, to advise them and then in the end it was hard for me to be a good agent for them so um, I think it's important also that the players I work with they 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 listen to me and they buy into you know the one I am and 
And if they do, then I, I know I can help them a lot. Yeah. There are so many agents with different backgrounds. I'm thinking you have some that are lawyers, some salespeople, just general business people. Then you have former players like yourself and former coaches. And because of that, you've got some that are closer with their clients and act more as a mentor. And you've got some that only turn up for the negotiations and deal strictly with the business side of things. How, yeah. how many yeah. roles are agents expected to fulfill? Well, I, I think they, they, they are, they're expected to fulfill many different roles. I mean, uh, if you think it's just about uh, negotiating a contract, then I, I would say good luck to those ones who think that's enough. But uh, I think it starts probably with uh, negotiating a contract, but, but, but that's just the start. Uh, from, from there on, you have, to, you have so many things you need to, to build up with, with them. You know, like uh, I, from the beginning, I... I, I decided to build up a, a team around me of, of lawyers, of uh, uh, tax advisors, of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have people working for me who, who, who look after everything, which is, let's say, not, not dealing with clubs or, or contracts, but anything else. You know, it could be finding uh, apartments or, or whatever for them, houses, uh, insurances, you know, like I, I, think, I think you as an agent, if you build up a big agency, and you are going to work with big, big football players. You need to have uh, um, an answer to all their questions, and uh, you can only have that if you have the right people around you. So, uh, because I think, you know, I, I, I think it's the same for all uh, companies. Uh, those companies that are successful, it's because they have people uh, do, doing different roles, but people that understand those roles are really the ones that they are supposed to do. They're not trying to interfere with, you know, other roles. So, uh, you know, it's important that me and my, my team, that we, we do exactly what we're supposed to do. Uh, then we do that 100% and together we, we are strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's what I, what I build up quite, quite early. And, uh, and uh, that team has been a, a, a big, big uh, help for me. Um, so it has made me only concentrate about what I'm good at. And that's, uh, you know, uh, advising, uh, you know, uh, my players on, on the pitch, uh, helping them to make the right decisions uh, career-wise. Um, because, you know, sometimes there's not just one club that wants one player. There's certain in the different clubs where maybe you can earn more money in certain clubs, but you know, we have to maybe think more about where will you play. So I think, I think, uh, you know, if you're good at planning a career together with your players, I, 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 I do like to hope that uh, the the careers of the players will be longer also and better mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned briefly earlier about the reputation of the industry, and and you say you've built a team around you where you can focus on your on your qualities. But then we know the bar of entry for becoming an agent is, is, is low and you have to kind of fight that stigma that is towards the agency. How do you go by trying to convince people that you are not one of those self-interested agents? Because, you know, you hear a lot of, of stories about it and, you know, it's, it's tough maybe for people to make their, make their proper minds up. Well, I mean, I, I suppose at the start, uh, you know, you have to you have to start start somewhere, and you have to say this is really how I'm going to to work. And at the beginning, some some people buy into it, some don't buy into it because you haven't got a lot of uh, reference uh, to show them uh, when you start up as an agent. 
uh, over the years, you know, if you if you build up something important and and you've been very successful, then it becomes easier and easier to say to people, this is how I am. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if I wasn't like this, you know, I wouldn't have players that were still together with me 15 years after we started working together. They would have been long gone, you know, because and 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 a lot of my players have, have grown into big, big name players. And, and the bigger they become, the, the more agents want to try and get them. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you have to fight off other agents also along the, the, the career of the players. And you can only do that by, by actually having a, a, a really strong brand and, and, and by your players knowing that there isn't anyone better. You, they are with the best one because he has always been there for them and he's always done really well. And uh, their careers have always gone in a good you know, direction upwards instead of downwards. So why would they listen to other agents? You know, they have the best. And that takes some time to, to build that reputation up, of course. And then by time, the players you help, they start, you know, talking to other players and saying, you know, you should have my agent because uh, he's very good. And then, of course, it, it becomes easy because you know the the best people to to rec uh, to recommend you are, are the are the clients you've worked uh, worked with yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mikael, it seems like nowadays agents often operate as brokers as well in terms of they're not only representing their player but they're also mediating transfer deals, finding out from one side how much a club is willing to pay, and finding out from the other side how much a club is willing to accept and you'll maybe have clubs asking the player's agent to find out how much their club would accept in a transfer fee instead of asking the club themselves and there'll be two or three agents maybe involved in the process. Is this, have you seen agents fulfill these roles and does this contribute to why agents' fees are rising? I mean, I mean, I think it's very important from the beginning that you decide with yourself what kind of agent you want to be because, uh, uh, in my opinion, there's agents that for me are really called players' agents. So that's the agents that really sign contracts with players, are really there for their players, really try to fight for their players. You know, if, if they have to, to burn a bridge with a club, they do it because of, you know, they are agent of that player. And if it comes or, you know, if they have to do it to, to protect their player, they will do it because uh, they are agent of this player. Then there are agents that I call club agents. Uh, they they really don't care uh, about having a, a contracts with players. They, they they don't even have them, and they don't even want to have them on on the contract because they don't want to deal with all the what they say the stupid stupid stuff after uh, you know the contract has been signed. You know they don't want to talk with the player if he's sad one day. They don't want to talk with the player if he has a problem with his girlfriend or wife. They don't want to talk with. The players, if they have a problem with their parents or whatever, that stuff they don't really deal with. They only deal with the, you know, they just they're just deal makers, you know. Um, and uh, I don't think you can be both. I think it's super hard to be to be both kind of agents. So um, I decided to be a, a a real footballer agent, real players agent. So I I don't really deal with that stuff. I don't deal with stuff between two clubs. I I leave that to the two clubs, you know, to find a deal. I. I only go. I only come in to the to the deal when the two clubs are sure they can find a deal. Then, of course, we need to see can we also find a deal with the with the buying club or not. And that's when I start my job. 
And if I can't find a deal in the end because my player doesn't want to sign whatever they 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 offer, then we we just say, you know, thanks, but but no thanks, and uh, and we stay on where we are, and and we look for another club. Mm-hmm. So I always try to take the side of the player, and it's not always been easy because uh, sometimes uh, players can get in, you know, you know, they they'll 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 become they'll they'll have some problems in the club, maybe with a manager, maybe with a sports director or, or maybe with an owner of a club and you have to come in and try and solve that and if you can't solve it in the end sometimes you have to say okay I might not actually be talking to this club ever again because we we left on a you know on a bad uh, in a bad way but I had to do it for my player because my player had to leave right so um so um it's it's not you cannot do both uh, I I prefer being a football agent a player's agent, as I call it, because I think it's so much more interesting. You have a client, you have a contract with him. It's like a, it's like a marriage. You know, you go all in. You 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 promise him you'll be there for him, uh, whatever happens, and 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 you you do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the way I like to work at, at least. We have um, we're nearing the end here, and we have a last uh, last few questions um, on the note of you know working the right way, working the sustainable way. Does Agency business doesn't need regulating. When you see FIFA attempt to cap commissions at a certain rate, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, do you think it needs regulating? And if so, how? Well, I don't actually think it needs regulating for for people like myself who are players' agents. Uh, it has always been uh, been um, you, know, you know whatever we earn. It's always like you, you negotiate the contract of the player first. The player has to agree on what has been negotiated before you actually get into talking to the club in the end about your own commission. The commission is always going to be a discussion in the end. Uh, over the years, um, we've had a set commission of maximum 10%, but it doesn't mean that you're paid 10% every time. It can be 7, it can be 7.5, it can even be 5% sometimes. That's the clubs that decides it in the end. But I, I don't think a, a deal could ever fall through because of a club not paying the agent what he wants. So, you know, I always come in in the end. I I fight for myself like I've just fought for my player. In the end, I'm happy. The player is happy. We go on. But, you know, I've been I've been hearing now that uh, that we are talking about uh, dropping the, the commission uh, fee down to something like 3%. I, I, that I really don't agree with. I think you should, they should keep it at the ten, but say ten is maximum. It cannot. It's not always ten, because you also have some 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 situations sometimes where agents are actually working together. You know, uh, one agent comes to you. He has a club for your client. You think it's good for your client? Of course. You know, you're open to to work with another agent. You know, to do this uh, deal. In the end, you have to split the fee with him, and. You know, uh, in the end, if you're going to be paid one and a half percent, it can be a lot for 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 some people. I don't think it is a lot for 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 agents because the ones that work like I do, they actually also um, spend more or less all their life on on becoming the best or being the best for his clients. So uh, spend spends a lot of uh, of money having the right people around him. So the clients have the best people around them. So. It does also cost a lot to be a good uh, agent. It costs a lot in traveling and whatever, you know. So we also need to be paid. And I think uh, it's fair to say that the 10% maximum is the right, uh, um, uh, it's the right rule to, to, to keep. 
But I mean, I'm not the one in charge. I don't know what will happen in the end. I think the ones that are being paid too much are probably the ones that are more the the the, the club agents, because um, you know maybe they they don't have the same uh, restrictions as we have. Maybe they can ask more. You know, they can have like uh, percentages on resales and things like this, which we would never ask for because, you know, it wouldn't be logical for me to have a percentage on a resale of one of my own clients. For me, that would be double uh, interest. And, uh, uh, you know, I would never do it. But club agents would probably do things like this. So in the end, they would probably be paid by, by both sides. And in the end, it will, it will make their commissions massive. And, and I think they are the ones that are, that are earning too much money. I don't think we, my kind of agent, we we make too much money. I, I think we make the right amount of money, and and um, and don't forget, we are paid, um, we are paid a percentage of what we negotiate for our own clients. So the better contract we negotiate for our clients, the more we also get paid, and I think that works well in the end. Absolutely. Where do you see yourself in in five years? Well, in five years, uh, hopefully, I still see myself in, in Monaco with my with my wife and kids, and uh, I still I still see myself working as an agent with the with the kind of uh, same level of, of clients as I as I am working for and with at the moment. Um, but of course, uh, there is this um, this um, thing we don't know. Uh, it is how are, how is the market going to evolve in, in the next five years? Uh, if we have a, a fourth uh, wave of uh, coronavirus and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, you know, in the end, maybe there's no more, no more, no more football clubs left. You know, maybe there's no more money in football, and maybe, maybe there's there's no need for for football agents anymore. So then I would have to do something else. But uh, I hope that uh, the, the 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 football business will survive. I hope that uh, that um, we will uh, we will still have uh, the same kind of uh, of business in five years to come. And if we do have that, then I see myself doing exactly the same as I'm doing today. Regal, thank you so much. We know uh, we know you, we pushed the boundary for time. So thank you so much for taking the time. It was pleasure, no pleasure chatting to you again as, as an yeah. adult, so to speak. Um, and then I hope to, to, to catch up with you soon. Huh? For sure, yeah. And make sure it doesn't take that long again for, for us to meet next time. Huh? I will do. I will do. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay, yeah. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of BroPod. We will follow up with links to suggested articles through our Twitter account at BroPod1 and leave a like or subscription if you so choose. Until next time.